two-man. Israel Falau! Is he? Is he in? You better believe it. New Zealand Rugby's organised a crisis <laughs> meeting with uh, Stephen Larkin. Sit back, relax, put your belt on, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 15 of the Draft Rugby Podcast, where the guys discuss fantasy super rugby, the game they play online in heaven. How good is that line? That's unbelievable. Um, you can find the website at draftrugby.com and follow on the socials as well, at Draft Rugby. I'm your host tonight, your guest host, Nick McArdle, and I'm joined by the regulars, two of the regulars, Harry and Nelson. Gentlemen, welcome and, and thanks for having me. Mate, thanks so much for coming on. We're, we're very excited to do this with you. We normally have our Kagi hosting, who's got some dulcet tones, but doesn't add too much else, so we'll see how we go tonight. <laughs> now, I, ha- I have had a, a bit of a, a listen. Um, I can only assume that you probably asked the likes of Clark and Horan and, and Kafer and Gregan and Kearns and everyone else was busy and, and here I am. <laughs> uh, you're dead wrong, mate. You're, you're at the top of the list. We're really excited to get you in. Uh, good stuff. No, it is uh, it is good to, to be here and obviously there's some pretty good rugby being played at the moment as well. Yeah, look, it's good to see some interesting sort of things with the Aussie teams and Although we're not getting all the results we'd like. I mean, the Reds are improving. They, they just need to be able to finish off a few games. The Brumbies are playing well. The, I mean, the Rebels have put a few good matches together. So there are some positives, lots of those young guys coming through. So it'll be interesting to see how it progresses. For sure. Now, explain to me like how it works. You, you've got you've got entrees, you've got, you've got the main, and then you've got dessert as well. So for the uninitiated like me... Um, just explain how it works tonight. Yeah, so basically uh, we end up recording this pod pretty last, late at night most weeks. So we realised that we're basically having dinner through the middle of the podcast. So we decided <laughs> to carry that theme through to the actual recording. So the entree is us looking back at the, the games that have just happened in round six in this case. The main course is previewing what we think might come through in the, the coming week. And then dessert, we try and do something a little bit different, whether it's a manage a question or uh, analysing some more data on a certain position or something like that. This week we are going to be looking at uh, which of the teams score the most and least points. So where are the your bankable points if you're just looking for some free agents, basically? Yeah, nice. Um, and I've got to say, the prep is unbelievable. You guys have sent <laughs> briefing notes to me. Like Seriously, of all the years that I did the, uh, I think I'm allowed to mention another podcast, the Fox Rugby podcast, yeah, our prep was basically a, a mug of Nescafe and, and a Tim Tam and that was it. <laughs> so to, to get to get a full briefing is is unbelievable. So thank you for that. And in terms of dinner, I've had I've had a gut full of, um, of spag bowls. So if I do doze off about halfway through, <laughs> just, just, just yell loudly and, and I'll be back with you. Yeah, no problem. Look, we do so much script there because if we don't give Kagi direction, he he could be going on for for ages. Um, <laughs> moving right along. So, I mean, you've got some new things going in the books, the Mercado uh, Media Group. How does that work, and and what are you planning there? Yeah, so um, good question, and and it's baby steps at the moment. But after I finished it at Fox, um, I, I just thought to myself, well, what am I going to do? And in terms of the media, you know, it's not a, a great time at the moment. I don't know whether everyone who's listening caught up with the fact that just last week there was, you know, more than 150 journos w- were laid off at AAP. So it's pretty tough times in the media at the moment. So I thought I'd, I'd like to be in control of my own destiny. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, I've just got uh, just got some irons in in some fires um, around uh, content creation. Looking at doing a couple of podcasts um, and talking to uh, to a lot of people. Who it's interesting once you start talking to people and they can be really really successful in in the business world, um, but they don't necessarily know how to tell their story uh, particularly well. So I'm just sort of heading along those lines and trying to trying to help people, you know, tell their story a, a little bit better. And there's some really good opportunities out there. So, um, yeah, it's, it's exciting. Yeah, it sounds really good. Look, I mean, we, we've we obviously known you over the last 10 years at, at Fox Rugby and, and hosting their, their show. And, I mean, it's great that we're going to be able to keep hearing from you. It would be something that would be sad to lose, that's for sure. No, yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate that. that. Perfect. Well, let's, uh, let's get into it, shall we? <clears throat> sounds good. So... We're going to go straight into our entree of round six. So we had uh, the Stormers on a bye last week, and the first game was the Sunwolves versus the Brumbies. Went the way I think everyone would have expected. Uh, the Sunwolves went down 14 to 47, which was two tries to seven. We had Darcy Swain return from his mumps, which turned into a shoulder injury, and Tom Cusack, who uh, had a concussion in round two. In terms of new injuries, Tony Pulu, he scored a... A pretty brilliant try down the sideline. Just landed funny on his shoulder um, and injured himself in the process. Um, look, this game was played at Wynn Stadium, so foreign to both of the teams, obviously due to everything that's going on in, in Asia, mainly China, but obviously Japan at the moment, so they're not playing their games there, which is sad to see. I mean, the, the Sunwolves always are pretty pretty solid at home. They get good crowds. They had 20,000, I think it was, in Tokyo um, so, I mean, look, the Wollongong hosted it well, but, I mean, it's it's sad to see the, the Sunwolves losing some of their home games in their last season. Um, on that, I think they've actually just cut some more games for the uh, Japanese top league as well, so there might be more to come for the Sunwolves as well. Yep. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. interesting. You know, it's not no, just rugby, is it? Yeah, yeah, you yeah, hear the yeah. talk of maybe the Olympics being cancelled as well. How's going to unfold over the next year for so many sporting events we've seen how it's affected football in in uh in italy uh six nations as well i mean there's you know it's not only the fact that yeah. crowds uh, yeah crowds are uh, being disappointed but you know imagine the amount of money you know th- we're talking big industries mm. here and imagine the amount of money that's being that's being lost and it's tough for teams like the Sunwolves to to go on the road, play what should be a home game away from home. I'm sure they're having a great time, but yeah. uh, it is it is tough to uh, to go on the road, and they've never been a particularly good team on the road, so it's not not great for them. 100%. We always say that the the Sunwolves are different when they're at home and and when they're a touring side. So add a few games touring to them, and that that's going to hurt them. That's for sure. Um, out, out of this match, I think one of the most exciting things I saw was Ryan Lonigan. Um, I said pre-season I thought he could actually earn himself into a starting spot, which uh, I think was a very big call. And, yeah, look, it's it's one game. But, I mean, he just had quick, clean ball. He, he was solid around the paddock. Um, he just didn't miss a beat. Scored a try, the first try for the Brumbies. And he also... Uh, set up the second and kicked five from five goals, which is pretty impressive, including two which were from the sideline. I was, well, I was gutted having Alessio just not taking any kicks. just went over my head. Yeah, for sure. Um, Will Miller as well. I think he he's just built 
game after game since moving to the the Brumbies. He was good at the Tars, but uh, yeah, gone from strength to strength. And this week he finally showed how good he can be with ball in hand, not just off the ball. Um, the only positives I think you can take out of the Sunwolves were their defence was a bit more organised. Um, they also have now are the only team to score a try off a rolling more against the Brumbies in, in over a year. Um, and Mike Stolberg, who I'm pretty sure he's an Aussie, um, scored his second try in, in two weeks as well. Queensland boy. Yep. He, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really happy for, for Will Miller. Um, heading down to the capital, he, he realised that you know, time uh, on the park was going to be fairly limited with uh, with Michael Hooper and the team. So he's seen his opportunity with David Pocock leaving. And, you know, that's a hell of a back row. And, and now for a number of years, the Brumbies have had a, a good back row. But, you know, Rob Valentini, who's managing to, to stay fit, you know, week on week, probably for the first time in his career, we're now starting to see the, the best of him. And, and yep. you've got a link player like Lockie McCaffrey, uh, coming off the bench yeah. as well, Tom Cusack in, in the mixture. There's a lot to like about that Brumby's back row. Speaking of their back row, the, the fantasy man of the match was Rob Valentini. He he bagged himself 87 points with a try, two try assists, three tackle busts, three line breaks and an offload. So it's good to see him Massive game. putting some games together without injury. Um, then the other notables were Effie Ma'afu with 61 points, Tom Banks with 59 points, and then the man we talked about, Will Miller, with 54 yeah, love and watching him. Yep. Do you want to kick us off with or move us along with the Crusaders and Reds, Nick? Yeah, sure. So it was uh, the Crusaders winning 24-20. Uh, it was actually three tries to four. Um, but, you know, the Reds just couldn't buy uh, a goal kick uh, or, or a penalty kick for, for that matter. Um, you know, and that's going to be a, a massive problem for them. So you had... Uh, Quentin Strange returning for the Crusaders from a, a fractured hand. Scott Barrett from an MCL. Oli Yaga from concussion. And Filippo Dangunu uh, returned for the Reds uh, from that uh, that ban. I think that was the preseason, wasn't it? So yep. um, Or early on in the season. So And, and then new injuries, uh, which is really unfortunate um, when you consider the, the issues that they've uh, already had. And Hunter Paisami... Um, missing with a, a knee, so he'll have uh, at least a month out. But let's concentrate. Let's talk about the goal kicking for a moment. So Jock Campbell, um, he had an absolute shocker. He was none from four. Uh, <laughs> and and then Bryce Hegarty came out and, and he missed as well. And on the other side, the, the flip side, you've got Richie Moanga. Uh, he was four from four. So in the end, that's the difference. 100%. Yeah. I mean, the Reds, you know, they deserve to win that game except for the kicking. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty big to go an extra try up against the Crusaders in New Zealand and and still lose. That kicking's proving pretty big for them. I, I saw an article today saying that they called in the uh, the Wallabies kicking coach now to try and rectify it. Yeah, exactly. I also saw I don't know whether it's the same yarn, but um, Harry Wilson apparently is actually a pretty good kicker. And, <laughs> yeah, um, and 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 he was saying that you know he'd love to have a crack, but there's probably uh, no way that Brad Thorne is going to going to let him kick, but you know that's what it was down to. It was so frustrating to watch that game. Um, yeah. They did so much right, and that that length of the field try that was um, finished off by Henry Spate. I mean, that's you know up there for one of the tries of the season. Just you know, pretty simple stuff. Players uh, running off the shoulder of, of other players, players in support. It just looked unbelievable. It's a long time 
since the Reds have gone to to Christchurch and and played that well. I remember in I think it was like 2012 or 2013 when they went over for a semi final and got absolutely destroyed, and that's pretty much been their result ever since over there. And and to get so close, it was. You know, there's a lot to like about the performance, but geez, Brad Brad Thorne must have been absolutely filthy at the end of that. Yeah, he he would have been burning, that's for sure. I think they would have heard it. I think just let I think just let Harry Wilson kick goals. Now. He can do everything else. Surely he's an absolute master of it. And yeah. the, the other thing, I know that I know that you want to keep time down and and move on, but just a, a point about the way that game was refereed, and and this is um this is I think a, a bit of a problem at the moment. Two teams trying to get really quick line speed, and Rasta Rasavenga uh, and his assistants, they, they just didn't police the offside. You know, maybe a couple of penalties were called, but both sides were offside all night, and it was just prison rules at the breakdown as well. There were clean-outs coming in from everywhere. There were players um, sealing off, and and in many ways it ruined the game, um, just the lack of the lack of the ability to get quick ball from two sides who wanted to play. They, they wanted to play some rugby. And, and I just felt that that was, that was a microcosm of something that really has to be dealt with in the game at the moment. Well, it, it looks like more and more teams are cottoning on as well. Like all the South African teams have incredibly high line speed. I can't see the Sharks can possibly be on side with how mm. quick they are up. And the Rebels turned around after the first couple of weeks and started pressing incredibly quickly as well. So it seems that everyone's starting to work out that it's just not been policed. It was pretty telling in that last couple of minutes as well as the Reds were trying to get out of their own half and they get yeah. pushed back as soon as their first guy was catching the ball he was getting tackled. Like, I mean, there, surely there had to be some close ones there. Yeah, I know. I know the, the I know the main ref has a lot to worry about, uh, but you know there's not a lot going on for the assistants. You know, like yeah, do your job. You're there. That's that's as much a part of your job as anything else. Do your job. I, I love that the soccer refs are just so on it. it can't, if they can do it, it can't be that hard. Agree. Correct. Yeah. Anyway, the uh, the fantasy points on this one, Taniela Tupo. 86 points, fantasy man of the match. It's not often that props top our scores, but I think if there was ever going to be one, the Tongan Thor was the man. Yep. He had a try, 11 carries for 42 metres, three tackle busts, a couple of line breaks, a couple of offloads, and made seven of his nine tackles as well. He's just an absolute weapon running with the ball. Yeah. Big scores from uh, George Bridge, 79. Scott Barrett, 77. That's got to be his biggest score ever. Cody Taylor, 59. Joe Moody, 54, scored a try as well. Harry Wilson, 79 points. Nelson, what was his stats? 22. 22 tackles. No, 22 runs. 22 runs, sorry, 10 tackles. 22 runs in a game. Yeah. He'll he'll wear a gold jersey this year. Make no mistake, that bloke. He's uh, he's unbelievable. He he is amazing. Let the men kick. (laughs) (laughs) Start a campaign. Yeah, Salakai Lotto, 66, and F. Sortia, 50 points as well. All right, move along. Waratahs and the Chiefs. So the Waratahs at home went down to the gong for this one in part of this as part of this uh, double header. Yep. Um, they went. They were 14-13 at the half and looked really, really good at half time. But then it all fell apart for them. 14 to 51 points, two tries to seven at the end of this game. You had Sam Kane go off with a calf hematoma, and apparently Aaron Cruden came off earlier than expected with a hamstring tightness as well. So not sure if that's actually a low-grade hammy tear. That might cost him game time or not, but I think that'll be followed up during the week. Um, 
the real difference for me was when they came back out from halftime, Brad Weber just did what Brad Weber does all the time, just scored a couple of tries, just He's just an absolute freak. One, he can thank Shooter Stevenson for an insane little flick pass, but he's just the everywhere man. I, I love watching him play. He's so exciting. Yeah. I, I think the um, the Chiefs there as well, they just capitalise on every tiny little mistake the Tars made, which the Tars make a lot at the moment with this uh, different style of footy. They're playing flicking the ball around. Yeah, and uh, Brett McKay posted about the Waratahs some interesting stats. He said only six of the starting 15 didn't concede a turnover and only three of the starting 15 didn't miss a tackle. So I think that spells out pretty uh, pretty clearly what is going wrong with them at the moment. So what, how much do you put that down to uh, to attitude? I think just the, in that second half, I know it's hard when you've got this team coming hard at you and, and, and clearly with all the momentum and they're on a roll, it's hard to, you know, turn that momentum. But some of the body language and uh, I'll, I'll tell a little story. I was at a, um, a function on, on Saturday night. So that's a night after and I saw some of, uh, some of the Tars there and I was sort of, you know, interested to hear what's going on behind the scenes because that's a situation where, you know, things can really turn off a, off a, a, a result like that, but coupled with what's been a, you know, slightly disappointing season so far. But apparently things are, you know, everyone's happy and they feel that they're close and, uh, you know, that, that, that they're not far away. Um, but just some of the body language in that, that second half, I'm interested to to know whether you notice some of that and, uh, and what you make of where they're at psychologically at the moment. Well, I'm, I'm the eternal optimist when it comes to Australian rugby because I think if I wasn't, I would have stopped watching, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> So I'm a big believer that they changed their defensive system very, very close to the start of the season with a new defence coach coming in late. They talked about the fact that they're now playing with two floating fullbacks, so they're playing a completely different front-line defence. And I, I think that that's a big part of why they're leaking so many holes in the middle of the field. Uh, and, and I agree, as the game got went on, they really put their heads down and fell apart. And I think it's been a bit of a problem for the Waratahs for a number of years, to be honest. It might be opening up some old wounds on, on uh, where they've had a, a few defensive issues over the last couple of seasons. But I, I think it's a lot of it is based off them adjusting to the new system. Yeah, look, they're willing to throw the ball around and a handful of their games have been played in the wet, which makes that a little bit tougher. And, I mean, they're, they're trying to build something that, that has been lacking there for a long period of time with that. And I think there's there's probably a little bit of that hangover of some of the older players that have been there are just used to that losing and, and inconsistency and things we've had in previous years. And you see someone like um, Will Harrison stick his hand up in the last few weeks and decide he's just going to start running the ball, and, and that's been pretty inspiring as well. So th- there's a few names there that I think probably may need to, to drop down for a week or two and, and give some of the other younger guys a, a shot because that, that attitude, as you said, I think that is – a hangover from previous years, things not working, trying something different this year, and, and that seeming to not work early on in the season as well. And yeah, the other thing is you look at that that 23, and maybe in the past when things have gone crook, that um, that you know you might have a, a Bernard Foley or or particularly Adam Ashley Cooper last year. You've got someone to just you know settle things down, some words of advice. I just wonder. You know, it's a lot for Michael Hooper to, to take on in that situation. Kirtley was the captain on the night. Rob Simmons, obviously, out injured. You know, there's a great deal of experience there. 
that maybe there wasn't that calming voice in that situation yeah. and it all just fell apart really quickly. For sure. Yeah, I think they've got a lot of caps in their team, as we, you know, was pointed out a couple of weeks ago, but there's not a lot of co- senior composed players just yet. There's one or two, and that's about it, sadly, at the moment. Um, pushing along, I, I, a couple of last points for this one. First of all, James Ram, starting debut, his kicking is insane. Two kicks twice from inside his own 22, and both times almost reached the other 22 on the full. He's just got this enormous boot, and it's something that the Waratahs haven't had for as long as I can remember, I guess, in, since pre-Bernard Foley. Get out of danger, kickability. Huge. So I'd love to see him get another run. And the other thing is just the uh, the Chiefs, they were so dominant that it was almost to the point of the Reds playing the Sunwolves a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure how much we can actually take from it, sadly. But the one thing we know is they've got loads of X Factor when they're given a sniff. Um, finally, fantasy man of the match, Shooter Stevenson, 72 points. He had a try, eight runs for 82 metres, a try assist to Brad Weber, three line breaks, four tackle bust and offload and six tackles. He also had good performances from Dempsey with 59, Will Harrison with 58, Brady Weber, 64, Peter Gus Soakula, 62, and Solomon Alamalo, 57 points. The next game here is the Canes versus the Blues. Um, and it show, goes to show that the way that the Blues can beat another Kiwi side is they just need to have two yellows and a red card <laughs> and, and play with against 13 men because um, that worked for them, that's for sure. Um, we saw the return of uh, Gerard Cowley Tuioti from his shoulder injury and James Parson also from a, a shoulder injury with no new injuries in this one. Um, the Hurricanes had all the ball in that first quarter but only really came away with that individual try when they had a few more opportunities. Uh, Terry Black, his kicking a play has has been exceptional um, with gaining that field position, something that uh, Perifetta hasn't been doing when he was at 10, neither did. What's the, the other uh, 10? It's Gatlin. Plummer. Plummer, sorry. Oh, yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, Blues, Plummer. Um, Jordy Barrett has just been awesome for them since he when he came back this week he's, he's been so important i think he takes a lot of that pressure off whoever's playing fly half for the hurricanes which has been one of their weak points for this mm. season fletcher smith the one thing you can say about him is he is absolutely lightning he runs straight past rico Uani, making it look easy off a kick chase did you see this game nick i saw he bits and pieces i had a look at it today i didn't see it live he outran Rico Ioane from behind him, passed him to get to the ball. He's a fly half. Insane. Yeah. What, I mean, seriously, what Rico Ioane hasn't got much going for him, though, has he, really? <laughs> yeah, he would have been. You know, he can't play. That's unbelievable. Any chance you happen to see the cards in this one? The, there was the red card for Tyrell Lomax with that shoulder charge to the head um, of a falling player. Yeah. And Vaya with the yellow as well. Yeah, Vaya uh, Fafida with the no-arms tackle. And then also Jordy Barrett, who had uh, – it was an overlap and it was going to be a certain try. He reached out and, and knocked that ball down. I, I will knock the ball up in my eyes. I, I always find this a funny rule. I still play rugby, and I think if you're not good enough to make a pass to the player and someone can get their hands on it, you didn't pass it well enough. So I, I hate uh, 
someone getting a card for something like that. Do you, do you have any thoughts yeah, on unless, that? Unless, it's, unless you can see that it's a, a <laughs> deliberate, you know, you're slapping it down. I mean, most of them you see, you they're clearly trying to make the intercept. Yeah. yeah. But I, they, they rule it as you're not in a realistic position to catch the ball from where that deflection goes, which is pretty tough. It's a funny thing, though. Like, if you, if you think of a kick, if the halfback's doing a box kick and you jump and hit that ball down... I mean, you're not in a realistic position to catch that ball, and we've never ever thought of it that way. You know what I mean? Like you're just stopping mm. what their attacking play is or whatever they have no. going there. Um, I, I find it weird. I, I understand why it's there. I just find it find it strange. Um, the the Blues defense has been a lot more solid this year. Um, Blake Gibson, he's uh, done a few little silly things, kicking the ball away when they had 15 to 12. They also went for a drop goal when they had 15 to 12. Perifetta kicked uh, another one away as well. Yeah, yeah. just uh, random sort of stuff there. Um, when they they had, seemed to implode when they had the game in their hands. They should have run away with it. Yeah, for sure. Um, but they ended a 25-match losing streak against New Zealand opposition. So they got the monkey off the back, which is, is something I'm sure they're happy to, to take out of this one. Uh, the fantasy man of the match was Mark Talea, who's been killing it this year. He got 103 points, 11 tackle busts, which is massive, uh, four line breaks, three offloads. He ran 140 metres and scored a try off his 12 carries. Rico Iwani got 70, Akira Iwani got 58, and Nani Laomape got 51. Actually, it's a, it's a big year for the those last three names that you mentioned, for the Iwani brothers and for Nani Laomape. Um, big year opportunities at all black level uh, and they really need to, to aim up during the Super Rugby season because, you know, there's there's a lot of, uh, well, not, not a lot of opportunities, but there is some opportunity there to, to stake your claim in, in that black jersey this year. And it seems like if you don't take it when you've got that small window, New Zealand rugby passes people by pretty quickly. Yep. Yeah. Well, there's always the next big thing, isn't there? That's right. Oscar Institute, yeah. you mean? Yeah. Yeah. There's a few next big things. Um, all right. So let's uh, let's move on then to the Rebels and the Lions. So the Rebels did very nicely. Five tries to two. Um, new injuries to Richard Hardwick. Uh, so he didn't come back after half time um, after he went to the the blood bin. Jumbo Ulengo, uh, severe quad cork. Um, Possibly uh, playing next week. Worst case scenario, though, one or, or two weeks. And uh, Similani, um, he, what do you got there? MCL, so grade one uh, MCL, so probably one to two weeks uh, at yep. worst. Now, you Nailed mentioned it. the line speed of the Rebels a little bit earlier. And, um, yeah, obviously that's been a big change for them after a slow start to the year. And that's a, that's a risk-reward thing as well, isn't it? Like, you, you, you know, it's not just a matter of everybody, you know, charging one out. You've, you've got to be together with that line speed, um, and that's clearly uh, working for them at the moment. But in terms of individuals, should we talk a bit about Andrew Kellaway, um, who really, up until probably this year, has been uh, the forgotten man of Australian rugby, um, was at the Waratahs, didn't live up to expectations, uh, and then went overseas and, and, and has come back, and now seven tries so far this season, including a double the other night. Yeah, I think Andrew Callaway, it's interesting. He had such a good under-20s, and it appears to be he's a perfect example of what happens at the Waratahs. They, they can't seem to get the best 
out of players there and and they tend to move on and go elsewhere and, and start to to perform a fair bit better. I mean, we've seen Sam Lousy do it. We've seen, I mean, Nemanja Nadola was playing in Sydney and was was on the books and they got nothing out of him. Um, Michael Latoa has gone offshore. Will Skelton. Will Skelton, yeah. Benny Volleyball. A lot of people doing a fair bit better um, offshore than mm. they have at the Tars. The other uh, thing about Andrew Kellaway, you know, he came through that system, probably didn't play a whole lot of club footy as well. So, you know, you go into the Waratahs, you haven't played a lot of footy against mature bodies. Um, you've, you've come out of the underage system. I think to actually go overseas, play in a highly professional environment against, you know, some old heads, some fairly gnarled footballers, and come back just with a bit of wisdom and maturity, and uh, and that can really help as well. I, I know Stephen Hoyles has always said he'd love to find a way to get some of these young guys uh, to get you know 40 or 50 shoot shield or premier rugby caps under their belt, so mm. they get that that wisdom and you know they harden up as men, and then that can help them you know at Super Rugby level. But the the setup doesn't or isn't conducive for that, unfortunately. Do the Gen Blue guys ever play in the in the club footy, or do they only play yeah. in their development clubs? I think they I think they only play in that competition. That that's my knowledge. Maybe you know Colts yes. and stuff like that. That's obviously the big hole where they should be playing against those uh, those club players. Yeah. Yeah. Look, the the Lions they had a, a late surge in this one. Um, off the back of two yellow cards for the Rebels, something that I think has proven costly for a few Aussie teams with, with a few cards. Um, but they were leading 15 to 10, the Rebels, at, at half time. Um, Wandersili Similani was a guy we've been so keen to see, and he got his first start for the year and um, didn't seem to, to do too much, didn't get much space with that uh, Rebels high line speed. Um, the other guy that I, I thought was um, was really impressive, I know, you know, got a bit of a write-up afterwards, and um, is Matt Phillip. And he was he was on the edge of Wallaby selection a couple of years ago. I think he went on a spring tour. Um, he got free cap. Uh, yeah, so, so yeah, what, was it on, on the tour that he did in the um, June series the year after? Just trying to remember where he, where he got those caps. But, you know, he's yeah. now looking like, and again, experience counts he's had a couple of seasons in super rugby and now looking like a more accomplished player and the other the other two that have been not so much Matt Tamur I think we're we're seeing now what we probably expected to see from Matt Tamur just his control and and again you know a bit of rugby smarts in terms of you know where to play the game what what part of the field but Ryan Lawrence um, you know a former force player he's been Really impressive, and the combination that those those two have developed pretty quickly is is really important for the Rebels. Yeah, I think Lawrence was really impressive in his, his time at the Force. To to be honest, I, I just don't think he seemed to be able to find a place in Australia once that all sort of um, folded. Because he he was definitely a very exciting player for them for a couple of years. And is it just me, or has Marika Corabetti been a bit quiet so far? What what have you? What have your fantasy points found with that? He he has been, but he's got uh, he's got a habit of doing that in Super Rugby. To be honest with you, he's almost like your Umanga, you know, like he has a good game here. No, no, sorry, a good game here or there, but he chucks on a, a Wallabies gold jersey and he, he's performing his best. Yeah, he probably puts Vita Kurandrani into that 
that category as well. Yep. well he's had yep. a reasonable start to the season, but he is uh, he's often a, a much better player in a gold jersey. Absolutely. Yep. The fantasy man of the match in this one was a man we talked about a lot, Andrew Calloway with 70 points. He bagged himself two tries. Um, and he had four carries for 71 metres, a try assist, three line breaks, three offloads. Um, Rebels, they also had Issy Nasserani with 48 points, Bill Meeks with 47, and Ryan Larons with 42, while the Lions had Elton Yanches uh, with another decent score of 41 points. Perfect. That takes us to the Sharks Jaguares. So Sharks back home from their tour towed up the Jaguares 33-19 in a pretty dominant display. Four tries to three in the end. You had Sybil Nkosi coming back from his hamstring tear that cost him the vast majority of his tour. And you also had for the Jaguares Matias Alamano, uh, the seasoned lock, coming back from his pec injury for his first game of the year as well. Again, good thing, no, no new injuries in this one for either team, which was great to see. This game, I had really high hopes for this game, and it was a pretty great game to watch. Just the Sharks continue their rich vein of form. The first nine minutes, the pace of the game was insane. The Sharks blitzed with a high run Andrews try. Then there was a disallowed try to Makazole Mapimpi. And then finally, you had Ox Nishe throwing a left to right cutout. Nishe, sorry, left to right cutout to not share, to score a try on the wing as well. They blew them away in the first 10 minutes. It was insane. They've definitely been solid starters every single week, the Sharks. They've been they've been unbelievable. Uh, and I think, um, and I'm just looking at the table here, and clearly, you know, the, the Stormers are well and truly in the hunt. But I don't know where you guys had the Sharks at the start of the, the season. I don't think too many people were talking about them, were they? We Yeah, we had Jaguares on top, then the Stormers. We all had that. And then the three of us really struggled to separate the other three South African teams. So we did not see it coming at all. Yeah, we thought they, they lost too much, especially in the Dupree brothers. Uh, yeah, Dupree brothers in the back row and things like that. Yeah. But despite that, the uh, Afalele Farsi was back to his electric best after having a couple of quiet weeks. The only blemish was obviously that late yellow card, but I, I don't think he did enough to really take anything away from his game. He was very, very good. The Sharks rolling Malsy was fantastic. The Haguaras have scored a number of tries this season through that uh, through their rolling mall, and they couldn't get a single one. They tried a few times, and then they uh, the Sharks returned the favour and actually scored one themselves late in the game as well. Uh, their defence, insane. Their line speed, as we mentioned before, they push up harder than anyone in the competition. I'm sure they're completely offside, but they're yet to be called for it. Um, and then, look, I think the Sharks just deserve a lot of credit, their forwards, for how they control the speed of their game. Their breakdown work is insane, and I think that's what is allowing them to unlock their their very talented backline, along with Kerwin Bosch, I think, as well. The uh, the only hole, I think, in their game is their set piece. So before this game, I know they were winning th- only three quarters of their lineouts and their scrums, which is Pretty woeful. Yep. Um, but they did manage to turn it around. I think they were in the 90-odd percentile for this one for both. So far, far better. And if they can get that right, I think they really have a complete game. Um, the only other thing I would say is on the Jaguares, the uh, the forwards not 
one of them put their hand up to take ownership of the game. Once Domingo Miotti came on and Conciliera as well, they seemed to finally spark something in the last five or so minutes when they could try and score a couple of tries to get a bonus point. Um, but that urgency in their game, that's what we saw last year all the way through the season. They just don't seem to have the same motivation this year. They look like they've still got a bit of a hangover from the, the World Cup or something, but they're just not at the peak of their powers by any means, and I think it's all attitude for them. Well, it's hard to get back up again for them. I mean, you know, I know that, um, you know, you guys will remember that, that Phil Kearns was banging on last year about, the, you know, they're basically the the uh, Argentinian national side in a different jersey. Now, you, you think about the season that they had in Super Rugby last year, playing in the final, then, you know, had high hopes and didn't really deliver at the, the World Cup. Um, but they've been up for a long time. It's probably no surprise that um, they could be just a little bit flat at the moment. Similar, similar to something you see with the Lions, maybe. With the, they've been there or thereabouts, but they were there for three years or something in the finals before they crumbled uh, in the grand mm. finals. Yeah, I don't know. They, something has to change, though, because they're going to be playing as the Jaguars and the Argentinian side every year, so I'm not exactly sure how they fix that. No, true. Exactly right. So the fantasy man of the match for this one, you had Sikambuzo Notche with 56 points, a try, six runs for 51 metres, two tackle busts, two line breaks, an offload and eight of his eight tackles. You also had Karen Van Vuren scoring 46 points on the back of his rolling ball try, Hyveron Andrews with 41, and the lone Jaguares player was Santiago Carrera, scored a try and looked good with his limited touches for 47 points. Um, the following game after that was the Bulls 38 versus the Highlanders 13, which was six tries to one. Um, six tries from the Bulls is pretty impressive for them compared to what they've been doing most of the time in the season. Um, we had in the returns column Muller Ois. Ois? Yeah. Yep. And uh, from his concussion, we had new injuries to Jonah Narecki uh, after getting a knee to the ribs and a, contest, a contested jump for the ball. Um, and he couldn't play on. He played for five minutes or so and then 20. ended up coming off. 20. He's After. a hard man. Yeah, uh, he's a hard man. Uh, yeah. He played on for about 20. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he played for five. He, he was on the ground for 15. Um, <laughs> oh, and Aiden, Aiden Johnson and Siati Tokalahi both had concussions. Uh, this was absolutely ridiculous from the Highlanders, wearing their away jersey here. And I know there's there's probably a bit of excitement behind it's a recycled jersey and all this sort of stuff they've been doing with the jersey. But that, that jersey clash, did you happen to see this? No, I didn't see this one. Oh, almost identical. Literally, yeah. it was ridiculous. Well, the Bulls had to change at halftime. The home yeah. team changing jerseys makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely crazy. How does that I mean, happen? I don't know. It, it, it happened to us in Subbies two years ago, but that's Subbies, you know. Like, <laughs> it's not um, the Highlanders clearly wanted to... to up the tempo early on in this game. Um, they even took a quick, uh, a quick tap off a long arm penalty inside their own 22 minutes uh, meters after only a minute. Yeah, which you, is not something you see a lot of. They just wanted to run the Bulls ragged, I think. Clear game plan. Um, the Bulls, they, they look so much more solid with Matty LeBock. And, and I mean, he's able to tap into the, those outside backs that are around him. Um, and he's also a threat himself. I mean, if we're talking about fantasy scores, his outside backs, Speckman got 83 points, Helent got six, uh, 76, and Hendricks got 70. All their highest um, of the season. Yeah, all their highest of the season. And, and Coetzee got, I think, what, he's 
second highest of the the season as well. Yeah, uh, with with twenty three points, which which isn't big, but it is Coates here. And I don't think I've seen Manny LeBoc kick that well. I don't remember him being that accurate. Obviously, Mornay Staines having a bit of an effect on him there. Yeah, you think so? That's something that um, Mornay Staines brilliant at. So hopefully, it rubs off on him. Yeah. So it was two pretty different halves of footy, wasn't it? Really, when you you look at that halftime scoreline. Yeah, I mean, the Highlanders were, were very much in it, leading 10-5 to 5 in that, that first mm. half and, mm. and just sort of fell apart in that second half. Um, Warwick Halant, he, uh, he was back to sort of his best and, and igniting that back line a fair bit. Roscoe Speckman, he managed to, to bag a double. Triple. A uh, triple. Patrick, yeah, yeah, it was so. a triple. Yeah, yeah sorry. And then uh, one interesting thing also, I, I, I like Marino too and, and how he's looking. And it's interesting he had another string to his bow this week and, and they used him in the line out a fair bit, um, which is a good thing for the Highlanders and, and a good thing maybe for the All Blacks when you're talking about a prospect uh, in that number eight jersey. He's got a long way to go, but he, he's been very, very good in the line out for them as well. Um, the, the stats for, for the most part were pretty similar. Um, seeing as the, it was such a dominant game, but the the Bulls managed to get 33 tackle busts compared to the Highlanders 19, which is a pretty telling stat. Um, the fantasy man of the match was Roscoe Speckman, of course, with his three tries. Them themselves are worth 30 points. He got 83 points, 110 meters, eight runs, which is 13.75 meters a run, which is pretty ridiculous. Four tackle busts, five line breaks, and two offloads. Chalant also got 76, and Hendricks got 70. Um, I don't know how, how much um, you've, how much thought you've put into it. Um, what, what's your take on how New Zealand are travelling at this time of the year, the New Zealand teams? I mean, obviously, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to go over there and, and win. Everyone struggles with that. But, you know, that's a decisive not travelling all that well. The Chiefs are. Yeah, the Blues have been off and on. The Hurricanes don't look themselves. And, and the Crusaders uh, look a bit vulnerable as well. Uh, well, they yeah. did at least against the Reds the other night. Have you got a thought on how the Kiwi sides are travelling? I, th- I think there's probably a few things to it. Obviously, there's a, a lot of new guys coming through that we heard a lot of off the back of Minor 10 Cup, and it hasn't necessarily... Um, transitioned into super rugby form. When you look at guys like Josh Mackay and, and things like that, they just haven't seemed to be able to to perform to that same level in super rugby. But something that's been talked about a fair bit is is this crusade, this um, New Zealand resting policy, and and how they're mm. making a lot of their best players um, sit out a couple games. And look, I, if if I was a fan turning up to those games. I'd definitely be wanting to see people like Bodie Barrett running around. And, I mean, throw him into that Blues lineup, and and you're probably going to see them performing even better. But I think they've got two wins against Kiwi teams. No, sorry, I was saying in South Africa they won both their games. Yeah, well, they've won against the Kiwi team as well. Like, yeah. I think there's probably a bit more inconsistency. Um, I mean, Crusaders at the best look pretty brilliant. Obviously, they're, they're lacking a little bit in their forward pack. Chiefs at the best, they look absolutely brilliant. Um, but you're not just seeing each of those teams being absolutely dominant 80 minutes week in, week out. Um, I suppose they're giving Cruden some big minutes, but next week they might start Trask and things like that, and it's pretty pretty big difference for them. Yeah, it's just a lot of player turnover. But I think what we've seen from a, a couple of teams, especially the Crusaders, is they're happy to rotate their squads and experiment a bit in the first half of Super Rugby. I think it's fair to say you judge them more on the back half, which is where they all kind yeah. of hit their side as well. Yeah, yeah. Very, 
Perfect. All right. So are we done with the entree? We are. We are. I think we're, we're getting hungry. on to, uh, to the mains. Perfect. So uh, buyers this week, we got the Rebels uh, not going to be playing. The first game of the week is going to be the Chiefs versus the Hurricanes, another mouthwatering New Zealand derby. We should have Damian McKenzie coming back from being rested last week. Uh, you also got a couple of players that are close, so not confirmed yet, but Nepo Laulala uh, is is rumoured to be back around about this game from his medial ligament injury or his knee injury, the MCL. And also Artie Sevilla had his operation. He was originally rumoured to be aiming for this game uh, if he can get back at his earliest point as well. But I haven't seen anything confirming that just yet. But obviously that'll be a huge in for the Hurricanes. Uh, the guys that you might be missing, just we mentioned them before, Sam Kane with his calf bruising and Aaron Cruden with his tight hammy as well. Uh, from my understanding, they're just going to be uh, they're going to be assessed throughout the week. So I, I think just watch this space in that one. Uh, I've got a couple of big questions, and I'd like to get your opinion on the the lineups here, or what you think the first choice lineup here is, Nick. So firstly, with the Chiefs, who do you think is the Chiefs' best centre pairing for Anton Leonard Brown? Is it Tamur Manu, Alex Nankerville, or Quintapaya? Well, I think um, I think they'll end up going with with Nankerville, won't they? I mean, that's it's worked in the past for them. Um, I think that's where they'll end up by the end of the season. I think that's where we started, but Nankerville's had a pretty quiet year, and Tamua Manu was basically the first-choice centre along with ALB all of last year. They were saying that Manu was a bit underdone when he when he got his first start last week as well, so there was nothing in the papers about it, but I thought he might have been coming back from an injury, so I think it, there's a fair chance he actually it, gets yeah. some time. It could also depend where they see Anton and the Brown. Do they see him as a 12 and then having sort of Nankerville outside him? Do they see him as a 13 and having Tamua Manu inside him? I know he's played a lot at 13, but... They seem to really be giving him a chance at that 12 jersey this yeah. year, and, and I've sort of mentioned they think that's where he could be. Yeah, which doesn't suit Nankerville's game either. No. Uh, okay, outside backs, I think D-Mac and Alamalo is pretty much locked in. you got Shooter Stevenson mm. or Sean Wainui on the other wing. Well, I'd, I'd go for Wainui, but having said that, um, you know, Stevenson, we saw what he did uh, on the weekend. Um, they're almost interchangeable, aren't they, those two? Yeah, I think it's definitely neck and neck. And the only thing I'm thinking is uh, Shooter Stevenson burnt the Chiefs a few times in the last couple of years, but with a new head coach in, I think he's definitely got the door a little bit more open than what uh, what it would have otherwise been. He's just a similar player for me in terms of he's very dynamic. You've got Alamalo, you've got DMAC. Whereas when you're looking at someone like Sean Wainui, I think he's more consistent, stable, yeah. less likely to make mistakes. So do they need that third agile sort of um, player to fill in that back role? I'm not sure if they do. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. It's a nice, a nice choice to have to make. It is a good, either of those <laughs> two are walk-up starts for uh, for most teams in Super Rugby. The yep. whole Chiefs team is like this. Um, yeah. <laughs> the last one we'll go through, though, is Luke Jacobson. So they said that was a neural hamstring or basically it was his back that was masking as a hamstring injury so the, the normal return or the average return date for something like that is about six days so they were pretty coy on his return a couple of weeks ago when he first did it but i think there's a possibility he's back this week otherwise probably next week well, how does that unfold boshier kane peter gas even carpick who do you th- obviously sam kane's locked in who's the other two for yeah. you 
Well, uh, and I like Boshir as well. But having yeah. said that, um, Mitch Karpik, he's, and I don't know whether it's the blonde hair or you just notice him. Like, seriously, you know, you sort of, <laughs> yeah. you, you really just, when he's on the field, um, you, you just notice him. So I don't know whether it's whether I'm sort of, you know, a, a little bit biased because of that. But I just think that he's a player that comes on and, and pretty much never lets you down. He goes 100% the whole time. So, again, um, nice choices for Warren Gatlin have to make. It's got to be tough. But, I mean, you, you've got to throw in Luke Jacobson in that. Uh, I mean, he was on the back of, of going to be sort of uh, in that all-black squad coming into the World Cup before he was injured. And then he comes back for one week and gets injured 11 minutes in. Um, he's, he's obviously going to be hurt by Boshir's uh, performance early on in the year. But, I mean, I'd, I'd be squeezing him in wherever they can. The other yeah. thing about Lachlan Boshir is um, over the ball. Uh, and, oh, I, and I know you know that's one of Sam Kane's strengths as well. But he is an absolute weapon over the ball. Mm, he's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. On the uh, on the other side of the ledger, the Hurricanes, the guy that we've been watching and very excited to see is Isaiah Walker-Liwere. Do you think he's going to jump Scrafton or Blackwell, or do you think he's going to be the third man as he develops this year? To to be honest, I haven't seen enough of him. I, I couldn't I couldn't answer that. Um, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't like to say. We we keep going back to uh, I think it was a was it the under twenties or Maori under twenties World Cup under twenties World Cup he scored something like a fifty five meter intercept runaway try and he's just got an absolute engine he's got pace and he's just a big unit as well so he's just an exci- another exciting lock for say, them. A, another one another yeah. one. Another one. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I looked at the stats for this one to try and get an idea of what might happen. Both teams are sound in defence and attack. Uh, the Chiefs score, uh, sorry, concede 20.2 points. The Hurricanes 22.2, so third and sixth respectively. And they score the Chiefs 34 points a game, on the, the highest scoring team so far in the season. And the Hurricanes in fifth at 28 points a season as well. Uh, the Chiefs... Home record, looking at that advantage, they actually have five wins a draw and four losses. So really, they don't get a huge advantage if you look at that for their home That's record. Which is stat, actually. Yeah, I thought it would have been much better. Yeah. And uh, and and finally, the Chiefs versus the Hurricanes, specifically in Hamilton. Last time they were there, twenty-three all. So definitely, it doesn't hold any uh, demons for the Hurricanes there with such a close game last time. But I still got to give it to the Chiefs by a couple. No, I yeah, just don't think you can tip against the Chiefs at the moment. And, yeah. and you know, yes, the Hurricanes have been good in patches, but overall, across the season so far, Chiefs. Yeah, 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 I agree. And Nick, what do you um, reckon? Blues, Blues, Blues versus the, the Lions. Blues, the Lions. Um, yeah. So returning uh, for the Blues, Finlay Christie uh, from uh, a neck injury. Are, they, are these all potential guys? Or they're obviously not confirmed at, at this stage. Yeah. At this stage, so they're not. This, these three guys were all aiming originally to play in week six when they got back from their tour, and yep. none of them made it in. So we, yeah. we think they should be very close. So they're around the mark. So Alex, Alex Hodgman uh, from a calf, same same situation. Josh Goodhue, uh, he's had an ankle, so he was looking at round six as well. So um, we think Manuel Rass is likely to, to start with Wondasili Similani after he's injured his knee, and we, we think he's unlikely to start. Um, Cornell Skosan, we think he's going to be probably a straight swap straight in for Jumbo Yulengo. 
if he is needed. Uh, the Lions need to work out their game. Currently, they're being bullied, and, and they're really their forward pack is looking extremely soft, um, even softer than the Waratahs and the Rebels, which is, is saying a lot. Uh, the Lions' defense is—I mean—they've just been passive. There's holes everywhere in the, in the middle of the field. The, the combinations are looking pretty average, especially that 10, 12, 13. I do think Yanchis isn't playing too shabby in that 10 jersey, but that 10, 12, 13, there's, there's, there's not a lot of uh, continuity there, and it's not looking too solid. It could mean things that uh, Rico Yuani, TJ Fayani uh, could just tear up that center pairing. Um, yeah, how, how else do you see this? I think the Lions, they're, they're probably going to get beaten in their kicking game as well. Terry Black's been pretty solid with that. Um, so that he might be able to pin them back in their own half. Yeah, that's it's been interesting to to see what I have seen of the Lions. In fact, that uh, their kicking game hasn't been um, been outstanding. Um, you've got a, a question as well, I think, from uh, from a listener. Yeah, so this is a manager question. Boomslang fifty at at Boomslang fifty at uh, fifty eight. Uh, he said, Taniela Talia. Why won't the Blues share anything about him, which they have now? Um, <laughs> they are quite happy to tell us about their other injuries and rest. So why is Taniela uh, such a secret? So we have I think heard, you actually yeah. – yes, you actually put that to the Blues, didn't you? Yeah, and, and they re- responded and they said uh, he had – was it a, a shoulder, shoulder operation? Yeah. yeah, he had surgery within the last few days. And then someone asked him specifically for a return date and they did a pretty sassy gif in return, which which looks like it may have upset a few Blues fans, actually. Yeah, basically just saying none of your business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing uh, to see him move along. It's interesting, yeah. though, isn't it, that, uh, that there, there hasn't been much around. There's been a, quite a few teams that haven't been doing it. Lions have been atrocious with giving you information and communicating back and forth. Um, they've improved maybe a little bit in the last couple of weeks, but everyone was talking about it that you just can't get any information out of them for the well, the Sun Wolves as well. Rich Freeman was always the champion of that information, and it seems like he's lost a bit of interest now that he knows that they're gonna they're gonna disappear next year, which is disappointing. So we just get nothing on him. Yeah, the Blues also have um, James Tucker and Ezekiel Lindemuth, who both have injuries. Obviously not of that same calibre, but we haven't really heard much about them. Yeah, and I, I put it down to the fact that the Blues were giving information about the players that were close to returning and not the ones that might have longer-term injuries. Yep. And it's it, history suggests that, um, that South African teams uh, don't... If they lose you know, their, their first match or two on tour, it's, uh, it's pretty hard to, to get better towards the end of the tour than it, than it is to sort of just fade away. So... Are you thinking uh, blues by heaps? Yeah, that's, what we, that's how we see it, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Exactly right. They're probably looking forward to getting home, the Lions, I would imagine. Uh, now, the Sunwolves and, and the Crusaders. Uh, so you've got Billy Harmon returning uh, from an MCL. Uh, and again, another one of those players who uh, targeted to come back last week. And Vetu Douglas, uh, a hand. So he's already missed four weeks. And, you know, he'd be a, a handy inclusion into that Crusaders team. Um, David Havili, bowel infection, not available for several weeks. I hadn't heard that, so there you go. I've just learned something. Um, yeah, so this he actually is, had a surgery, um, and he's in the hospital at the moment. So the first report was that it was uh, 
um, a foreign object and there was a few jokes going around how it got there and then now we found out it's actually an infection and maybe not uh, there was no uh, not quite foreign as funny object. <laughs> yeah so that's funny but yeah, yeah. sure it's hilarious for him as well um yeah. so you got uh this is the second of those those Sunwolves home games um in Australia um this one's uh in Brisbane so it's really again uh the Sunwolves touring yeah, and we, we say that the touring Sunwolves, as we t- touched on earlier, they're a completely different side. So I, I think that's going to go against them. Luckily, they're not coming up against a champion <laughs> yeah. side or anything. Yeah, exactly. They weren't going to win this one. <laughs> no, no it's, a, it's a tough ask. They, they haven't played the Crusaders since uh, April 2018 when they lost 33-11. Only one guy uh, still there from that team, and I, I guess that really indicates how quickly uh, – yeah. Particularly considering not going to be there uh, next year, how quickly this um, Sunwolves team has changed. Abba Bragbadza, the uh, the Georgian, is is still there. Um, I think, I think so, if they were yeah. on it as well, they would take 33-11. If they didn't <laughs> yeah. have to take the field, I think they would take that any day. Yeah, yeah. And Scott Barrett being rested as well? <clears throat> yeah, so uh, stuff.co.nz said a few things. Um, they said that even though he had a... Uh, around four injury that he missed the match that that doesn't count as one of his rest weeks which seems awfully strange to me because it means he's still got two um all blacks rest weeks outside of that making it three weeks that he'll be missing i I think what that will have to do with is he was probably training lightly and for the all blacks rest weeks they're not allowed to train either they have to have a complete mental break yep yeah, well, uh, and I remember um, around a similar thing happened. You know that game that got cancelled around the crusading, uh, the, the um, Christchurch uh, last year? Yep. And there were a number of players who either side of that actually had their rest week. And everyone was saying, well, hang on, what, what do you mean? They didn't play that week. But they had actually trained that week, so therefore yep. it couldn't count as their all-backs rest week. So sounds like a similar situation. And... So you've got Richie Moanga, Jack Goodhue, Joe Moody and Cody Taylor all being out. Now, you know, perhaps if this was any other team, would we be saying that the Crusaders are disrespecting uh, the Sunwolves? But I, I think they can probably get away with uh, with, with doing that on this occasion. That's yeah, right. look, I mean, when you're forced to make uh, rests as well, I think you've you got to pick and choose. And it, it can sound as disrespectful as you want, but it's the game that... It, Easier for them. Either way, if they win by 40 points, I don't think it matters. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Maybe it's respectful because then they're not going to lose. The Sunwolves won't lose by as much. Mm. It was interesting. They were saying that um, they had Brett Cameron training at 10 today, um, and they also had Dallas McLeod uh, and Braden Ennell as their centre pairing, um, with Braden Ennell having his rest week last week. Um, out of that David Havili uh, stomach infection, it'll be interesting to see how that back three shapes up. Last week, Kagi was saying to pick up Fangonuku, um, and you would have been cheering if you listened to him. He got 42 points last week, and he could be facing the Sunwolves this week. Um, will, he, he will be. Yeah, we, we assume he will be. <laughs> Look, will Jordan could potentially ruin the party, but the, the latest reports on him is that he was training on Monday and he isn't far away, but surely they won't, won't want to risk him against the Sunwolves. Matteelli also returned from the bench last week, so he could also slot into that wing spot. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Fetu Douglas is a, a player that I own in, in our game, so I'm always keeping a very close eye on him. 
Uh, you got Tom Sanders and Colin Grace. Uh, as one of them are going to set out to are going to miss a start with Fetu coming back, being declared fit. Colin Grace has been a revelation since coming in, and Tom Sanders is the more experienced man. Do you have any thoughts on those two players and who might get the uh, the be the front runner? Well, I actually um, have been impressed with Tom Sanders. I, I hear what you say about Colin Grace. Tom Sanders is a, a large human being. I know he got that yellow card uh, on the weekend, but um, yeah, I just don't mind the way he plays. Um, he goes hard at the ball. He's uh, he's a, he's a good player. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard for either one of them to be taken away from that uh, from that starting side. But yeah, a tough decision is going to have to be made. Um, Cullen Grace again, he he's a similar weight, um, and I think he's actually uh, the same height as well. Both big boys, but Fetu Douglas is also a big boy, so they're not going to lose too much in in the size category. Yeah, that's right. And he's probably more mobile, just say yeah. as well, Fetu Douglas. Yeah. Um, so moving on from there. Uh, I mean, actually, well, while we're at it, if if Fetu Douglas does start, you're going to have Tom Christie, who averages 21 tackles a game, Fetu Douglas, who averages 15.5, and then Dallas McLeod, who averages 15. That would be, which is only from one match, but that would be the three highest average tackles per match, all in that Crusader side. And the Sunwolves would be absolutely hating life, I'm sure. Um, the Sunwolves really need to... Uh, Realise the strength in this one of Sasaya Fafita and just give the man more ball. He scored a try in the last few matches for them. Uh, last week, he only um, touched the ball eight times, um, and which was half of Kurindrani, his opposite number. So wake up, Michelle Sunwolves, give the man some ball because he's, he's a scary runner with ball in hand. The Sunwolves, they miss more tackles than anyone else with 348 um, they concede the most points with 48.6 and also the line breaks conceded with 11.8 while the Crusaders have the t- second most tackle busts per match with 25.6 and the most offloads with 13.4. So pretty much pick up any Crusaders player if they're available for your fantasy side. Um, so that's what you're suggesting, just load up on Crusaders players. 100%. If any of them are free, pick them up. It worked for the Brumbies <laughs> last week, and it worked yeah. for the Reds the week before. So, yeah, yeah that's a gimme. <laughs> uh, we're, we're saying Crusaders by lot. Can you say anything different? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's uh, all right. Well, that's money where your mouth is by how many? Oh, Harry. Uh, look, I, I would say by 40, 42 points. I would say 53. Ooh. Where are you yeah. at? What'd you say? 53. 42. 43. You can continue the trend. I'll go somewhere in between. Okay. We'll hold you to that. We'll see who's closest. All right. The uh, Reds versus Bulls. Bulls moving along. So, returning, you got a couple of question marks in this one as well. Nothing confirmed just yet this early in the week. But James O'Connor was apparently a late withdrawal with his ankle injury last week. So, he's a good chance of being back. Isaac Rodder as well had an ankle injury. Uh, no word on him just yet, but uh, watch that space as well. Berger Adendal, again, ankle, late withdrawal last week. We thought he was all going to play as well. And uh, finally, Simifiwe Matanzima has his uh, AC joint. He was originally... Simifiwe, is it? That's not what I've written down. And uh, go on, Nick. You, you'll do this better than us. What is it? What was it? 
Simfiwe Matanzima. Yeah, there you go. There you go. We both nailed it. You just didn't hurry. <laughs> okay, thanks, mate. And uh, he had an AC injury. Originally was aiming for last week, so we might see him again. Uh, look, yeah, the, right. the, the... go on. Go on. Oh, I was just going to say, um, I think you've, you've got it spot on. Uh, you know, you've written in your notes here that, um, that James O'Connor, uh, if he isn't fit, Bryce Hegarty has to be in there somewhere for his kicking, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, they're just leaving way, way too many points out there. And the Bulls will know if they can just pressure the Reds and just keep the uh, scoreboard clicking over with how accurate their goal kicking is, this is literally the most accurate team versus the least accurate team kicking at goal. So surely their tactic is just set-piece, kick goal, <coughs> set-piece, kick goals. So, yeah, Bryce Eggerty for me has to start if James O'Connor's not fit. It also means the Bulls can be less scared of giving away a penalty or two in the the longer distance penalties that, that you see other teams converting because the Reds just won't want to take it. They're just missing it consistently. So they'll be a little bit less scared to, to push those boundaries, I think. Yeah. Especially the back rowers. Yeah. Yeah, true. And uh, with Hunter Paisami out, my expectation is that Chris Fawal Sortia pushes into outside centre, which will allow Dalgunu to start on one wing. He's also a very good goal kicker. So that's not, not a bad option. I think he played... Fiji under 20 soccer as well. Yep. yep. As a goalkeeper. As a goalkeeper, but I don't care, man. Anyone that plays soccer can kick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that doesn't bother me. Um, and then he could also see potentially as an outside chance James O'Connor in that 13 jersey, like he uh, filled in the World Cup as well, which would allow Lucas to keep playing at number 10 as well. But I think that's less likely. Yep. I like what I like what we've seen. I made a note um, about him. We should have mentioned him when we were talking about the Reds. Um, Chris Fowey Sortia. Um, he looks uh, a bit fitter than maybe he's been in recent years. He's had, you know, he went through that stage where he had a lot of trouble um, with hamstring injuries a couple of years ago. And early on in his career, everything came pretty quickly for him. There was great expectation. I remember. You know, Tim Horan used to always say he was the best schoolboy that he that he'd seen, or one of the best schoolboys that he'd seen. There's a player who hasn't really delivered on that expectation. There's just been a little bit over the past, you know, month or so that suggested that that maybe he he still might. Um, you know, he, he finished off that uh, that try on the weekend. Um, he just he just looks like he's bobbing up in the right places at the right time, and uh, he's becoming a, a pretty valuable player for the Reds. Yeah, look, I think he, he showed some promising signs last year after missing those sort of bulk of those few seasons prior to it. And maybe his shift back to the wing has been a bit of a positive for him as he, he can sort of inject himself a little bit differently to, to that sort of outside centre role. But he's definitely looking – I mean, he's only 26. He's looking like he's mm. got um, some decent skills and he's still got some opportunities there for him. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. I've got a lot of time for him. Uh, the Reds' line-out was pretty average against the Crusaders. Mind you, I think everyone is against the Crusaders, but with no Sam Whitelock, they might not have quite the pedigree in their uh, second row that they usually do. They only won 12 out of 16, 75% of those, and I think a lot of that was just them missing Isaac Rodder. So I, I think if he comes back, that'll make a big difference to them. Well, yeah, I think Isaac Rodder obviously will shore it up a bit, but it's interesting. Murphy over the last few weeks has really struggled to throw the last the last mm. fortnight or so, and he doesn't have Brendan Pangamosa there to to sort of push him and and swap mm. positions with him. So he doesn't have I don't know. He's it just seems to be a little bit lacking in the last fortnight. I thought. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I I actually think Brendan Payne-Garamosa might be back soon. Is he? Um, he was an ankle injury, wasn't he? Yeah. So um, my understanding is that he's not too far away, um, and you know that that creates that um, that you know competition for for spots. I agree with with Murphy at the moment. He just um, seems to have lost his mojo with with the throwing. Um, and and that hurt them. How many did they turn over on the weekend? I'm just trying to think. They have two oh. or three, like four stolen. Um, yeah. So so you know that, that that's uh, when you when you're struggling and, and you you're obviously looking at setting up that mall uh, on a couple of occasions. They just got turned over at lineout time. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and while we're talking about the lineout, uh, we've been banging on about this one for a few weeks, but. Pick hookers against the Reds' rolling mall defence. So Yakov Isagi scored a try last week. I'm banking him for another one at least this week. Uh, they just seem to be conceding rolling mall points every single week. It's a real weakness in their team that really surprises me considering the physicality of the Reds' side. Yeah. The uh, the Reds' attack, I, I found these stats super interesting. They lead the comp in line breaks at 8.5 a game. They're second in run meters at 700 a game. Offloads, 11.7 a game. And they're third for tries at 4.3 and tackle busts, 22.5. So in attack, they are creating a lot and they are scoring a lot, which is completely different to what we've seen from them in the past. So just need to learn to kick. It'll be all good. <laughs> That's definitely yeah, but, but look at that against the – look at those stats and how they will stack up against that, that Bulls defense which is clearly a, a very good defence. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Like like you're touching on, they, uh, they've got the third least missed tackles, 16 a game, the least run metres conceded at 395, and the line breaks conceded, they're the least as well at 3.4. So it'll be a very good matchup. I think the Bulls like playing without the ball, and they back their defence, and yeah. the Reds this year are definitely throwing it around a little bit more. So A clash of styles, definitely. Personally, yeah. I Personally, I think this is a, a pretty bad matchup for the Reds. I, I would never have said it before, having seen the Bulls in the first few rounds, but and, and I still think the Reds have got to be the favourites in this one, but the Bulls could definitely turn it on here if they can get their, their physicality, physicality right in the forward pack, especially with someone like Marco Van Staden and Josh Strauss running around in their back row. Like, they're just class players. Yep. So who are you tipping? Oh, man, I'm going to take the red time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say that the Bulls will, uh, the Reds will score two extra tries, probably not convert them, and then let's give the, the Bulls a few penalties. So three, I say, three. yeah, so I say four points or something. The, the Bulls are only going to scrape it in just for, for more tries. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I, I, I'm predicting that, uh, that the Reds will. They'll kick all their they'll kick all their goals, uh, and uh, and we'll all be left eating our words, and and they'll have a solid win against against the Bulls. How's that for optimism? Um, now the 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 Brumbies and the Tars, and you know this is we know what this game has meant historically. Um, we know that it's a a big week in uh, in Canberra with uh, with Tar Week, um, and I think this is a game that that everybody is looking forward to. We're still waiting to find out whether Rob Simmons and, you know, having seen him roll that ankle, God, it'd be hard to see how he could play, but he might well be back. Uh, and no news on uh, Anfinger's return either. Uh, it's a Sunday afternoon 
game, which if it's a beautiful day in Canberra, will be something special. Um, you know, I don't know, is it at four o'clock, something like that? So it's, is it a twilight yeah. game? Um, yeah. So they're always they're always special games. Hopefully, there's a a crowd there. Um, the the current forecast is that it uh, that it will be sunny. Um, I just hope that uh, that the Waratahs can can turn up and uh, and turn on something special because historically these games have meant a lot no matter where the two teams are on the table. Yeah, look, I mean, this is one of those matches that for the sake of Australian rugby, people are going to turn on and watch this game. You want it to be an entertaining game and you want there to be a lot of heart. And and let's be honest, a lot of these Brumbies guys are from New South Wales and they're versing guys they've grown up playing footy with. They're versing guys that uh, they know very, very well. And, uh, I mean, you'd normally say that they're fighting for Wallooey's positions, but you're probably not going to say that. This one, to be fair, the, a lot of those Brumbies guys are, are sitting a fair bit above those. I think it's it's definitely going to be an interesting matchup. And if Fainga does play, I wouldn't be surprised if we're going to see him <laughs> him sort of get a few, uh, a few more. More, more tries. Yeah. Um, the, the forward packs, um, and I think that really the Brumbies are setting the benchmark at the yep. moment. Um, can you see? Is there any way that the Waratahs can uh, can really, or at least match them, find some sort of parity, particularly around the scrum? Um, or do you think it's just going to be total domination, and we're going to see a lot of uh, you know kick to the corner, line out, rolling mall? Um, is that the sort of game that we're going to see? Short answer, no, I can't see them matching it. Uh, Robbie, if um, Rob Simmons come back, comes back, that'll do a lot for their line-out. But I think Robbie Abel hasn't been nearly as accurate as Fitzpatrick was last year. So I think the line-out's taken a step backwards. Uh, the Brumbies scrum hasn't been as good as I, I think I would have expected, considering the calibre of players they have. It seems to have taken a small step back this year. I think CO's slipped down a little bit, and yeah. my, the pun slippers actually come in and, and replaced him, and he's playing really well. Yeah, and um, and I, I just don't see the Waratahs scrum as being much of a threat to, to anyone, really. So, yeah, to, to me, I think it's going to be one-way traffic, kick to the corners, rolling malls, like you said. Yeah, yeah, that sounds uh, about right. Um, and Ryan Lonigan, the, the the Joe Power Ryan Lonigan um, sort of little battle for the starting spot there. Where do you think that is at the moment, or are they quite happy to rotate? Yeah, I I, I don't know. Nelson and I talked in the preseason about the NRC, where Ryan Lonigan seemed to take over Joe Powell as the season went on, and he ended up playing the the final as well as their starting halfback. So they obviously see him as a real prospect. And the fact that he goals so accurately as well, he's got a lot of strings to his bow. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if they at least give him another week to try and really cement himself as a, as a starting halfback. Yeah, we, we said early on um, that the Vikings are quite a smart outfit with how they use their players and, and bring guys through. And we didn't know if it meant that they actually favoured him or if they were using it as a bit more of a development tool. But he, he just seems to be taking every chance he gets. Um, so I wouldn't be overly surprised if we see him get another run. Uh, but it's it's probably hard to make that call. If you had to nominate something that's really surprised you in Australian rugby this year, would it be the Brumbies' back line? Um, you know, Tom Banks is probably in career best form. He seems to be 
out to show a few people that he probably should have gone to the World Cup. Tavita Kurandrani's had a reasonable start to the season. Uh, Simone, Solomon Akata, we saw that amazing finish, the, the try that he scored on the weekend. He's taken to Super Rugby. Uh, Tom Wright looks good. Uh, Lola Seo as well. Uh, there's a couple of unheralded players there that look right at home in, in Super Rugby. Yeah, look, I think there's definitely uh, a few surprises, or maybe not surprises, but people coming good on what we had hoped from them. Um, I, I suppose everyone was a little bit excited to see Solomon Kata come across, um, as we were to see the centre for the Tars, um, who is, for some reason, Maroa? Uh, uh, Mar- 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 yeah, Maroa? Mar- Mar- oh, from Parramatta? Yeah. 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 Mind you, Tepai. he wasn't. Yeah, Tapa Maroa. He wasn't exactly in career best form when he came across. Um, we but, both thought Carter would take longer to develop. Yeah. Uh, and the, the interesting thing for me that, that surprises me about that back line for the Brumbies is Ira Simone, another guy at the Tars who, who just didn't seem to develop. And, and last year they gave him a pretty simple game plan, run the ball up straight. And this year is, is really evolved into that. I think I thought Carter was going to take that 12 jersey off him. Uh, and play a Lamape role, but Simone's he's a big boy, but he's also doing grubbers and, and chips and different things like that. While we're talking about our race, Simone, we do have another fan question from uh, the Flying Dutchman FF, who is uh, at Bob the Raj FF as well. Uh, he wants to know if Ira Simone deserves a call up to the Wallaby squad in June. What's your thought on that? Um. Does he deserve it? Probably not at, at this stage. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have him there at this stage. But do you know what? I think all bets are off. I know history counts for nothing. This is going to be a really interesting Wallaby squad that gets named in June. The first one under Dave Rennie. Um, and you know, there's a lot of young players who will be given their opportunity. I just don't feel like we've seen the consistency from Eray Simone just yet. Uh, if he manages to put another four or five weeks together, happy days. He might be well in the mix, but I think he's got to do it over a, a substantial period of time. But, yeah. um, geez, he's showing signs. Yeah. I mean, if, if you listen to the rugby ruckus, you probably heard uh, Morgan Tuanui say that he, we need to see a, a body of work from him. And he's been doing it early on in the year, but it, it probably needs to be a bit more prolonged. I, I do agree. Uh, one other thing I think we, we left out of this is uh, Mark Nwanganitawasi. We're not too sure if he will be returning, but he definitely has that potential to return for them. little bit flaky at times uh, in defence, but he also offers the Waratahs a lot in attack. Um, and and uh, Will Harrison's also seemed to build a little bit of confidence in, and is happy to do a few chips across to him and give him opportunities. And he's going to be a very hard man to beat in the air, and I don't think if he's coming up against Solomon Akata, I don't think he's going to be the man to to stop him in the air. So that could be a good matchup for them. Mm. Maybe they have to think carefully about how they use Tom Banks in that situation as well. We might see a bit of a yep. switch there. Perhaps I don't know. Yep. How, how do you see this one playing out? Do you think it's just going to go the Brumbies' way? I I think it's pretty hard to um you you just broke up there, but I think it's pretty hard to. Uh, tip against the Brumbies at this stage, particularly the uh, the form that the Tars have have been in. So yeah, I think it's uh, the Brumbies at home. Yeah, I I tend to agree. I, I think the Waratahs may stay in it early, and they're going to drop off like we've seen them do a few times in that second half. 
This uh, the the next game is the Sharks versus the Stormers. Um, I don't think there's any notables returning from this one. I did have a little bit of a, a gaze before we 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 started this, um, but this is going to be a pretty decisive South African Conference Derby. Um, we could see the Sharks break away from the pack. They're actually sitting on top of the the um, table, not just the conference. Or if they lose, we might see the Stormers leapfrog them um, and, and jump up into conference leaders. Uh, the Stormers are fresh off their bye. They actually only have a 50% win record over their four matches in the last two seasons of a bye. Um, you, you normally see teams either bounce back really well from a bye or, or I suppose, struggle. But they seem to be dead down the middle. Um, so in- interesting to see. Um, the Sharks have been really strong starters. We, we touched on it early. But they, they've scored the first try in every single matchup this year. Whereas the Stormers, their only loss so far in 2020 has come off, uh, come against the, the fast-starting Blues. So I think the Blues scored the first few tries. So maybe this is something where if the Sharks get their, their strong start, which we, we tend to be seeing, maybe that, that's going to make it a bit tough for the Stormers and they really need a target, that, that first 15, 20-minute block and, and lift their, their own intensity uh, there, so it would be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, it's also worth noting that the Stormers, this is only their second game away from home so far in 2020, um, so they're, they're really untested. Um, but th- their only match away from home was against the lackluster Lions, so they only scraped past them, I think it was 30 to 33. So I don't know if I can see it going the Stormers' way. They've been defensively really strong. Um, I don't agree. They haven't considered a lot of tries, but they've missed more tackles than anyone in the last few weeks. I I was going to go into this in depth, actually. So (laughs) tell me. They're not letting in a lot of tries, which is 100% true, but they're they're missing a lot of tackles, but they're also not allowing a lot of line breaks to happen. So their D, they've actually got the eighth, uh, only eight tries, which is the least in the comp, five less than any other team, while the Sharks are, are sitting on 17. Um, but they they just don't seem to let in any line breaks. So they miss that first tackle, but someone scrambles and shuts it down. Um, if you didn't throw me off, I would have had that stat for you. <laughs> but no, yeah, they, they're very low on the uh, line break stat. So, yeah, it would be interesting. I, I, I think a few of our South African friends over at uh, the the rugby – what's the banter? Elite banter. Elite, Elite rugby, rugby banter, yeah. sorry. Um, they say that the Stormers are a team uh, for fantasy points to die, basically. Um, but we don't tend to agree because of those missed tackles, but it, it will be a, a, an interesting one, I think, how that shapes up. Um, I think there's going to be some exciting matchups in this one. Farsi versus Leeds, um, Bosch versus Valencia. They're probably the two most exciting ones uh, for me. I also think worth to note, Nochi has been a standout for the Sharks all season. It's it's reflected in his points as well. He has the highest five-round average of all back rowers in the competition with 49.8 points, which is massive for a back rower. Hmm. Um, the team that he used to play his trade for, uh, for a six-year period, actually, until this season, which is the Sharks, would probably love having him in their team right now because since Sia Khaleesi left, their defence has opened up. So the first two games, they had zero points scored against them, and then two of the next three, they've had 30 or more points scored wow. against them without um, 
captain Sia Khaleesi there. So that that's pretty big, I think. For and them. now you've got Peter Seftutoit gone as well, right? Yep. So uh, pretty pretty massive. Mm-hmm. Um, it would also be interesting. Oh, I'd love to see Sanelli Nahumba get another crack. I don't know if we will, but he's just a very exciting nine. Um, so he, he can really ignite their their backs as well. Juano uh, Augustus has been touted as the man to try and fill that number eight role, um, but has really struggled. The number eight role left by Khaleesi. How do, how do you see this playing out? Do you think uh, this is going to go the way of the Sharks? Do you think this is going to go the way of the Stormers? Normally the Stormers have a 6-2 bench split and the Sharks have been quite dominant with the back. So it'll be a, an interesting clash, I think. Yeah, but based on form and, and the fact that the Stormers are coming off the bye again, it's, it's hard to um, to tip against the Sharks. Um, but, you know, the, the Stormers, I still believe that they're going to be around the mark at the end of the season. Um, they'll obviously want to get Sia Khaleesi back as soon as possible. Um, but uh, but the Sharks are certainly you know, the team to beat in South Africa at the moment. They've just looked so good. Um, how they, you know, it's not easy travelling back and, and playing that, that first week as well, so I think that's probably something that's um, that's worth thinking about, but I'd be tipping the Sharks in this one. Yeah, I agree. I, I A couple of weeks ago, I would have definitely picked the Stormers, but I just think they've been too hurt by their injuries. We mentioned Khaleesi, Peter Steftu-Toit, could be out for two months, uh, they said, with that operation on his thigh as well. Um, they've obviously lost, I think it's Bongi as well. Yep. Um, they lost a prop. They, they've lost a lot of their forward pack. That makes them so dominant. So I, I just don't think that they quite have the Rolls-Royce uh, pack that they did have, and the depth off the bench has definitely been depleted. Yeah, I mean... And the last one, the Haguaras and, and the Highlanders. Yep. Yes. Uh, so for this one, for the Highlanders, the man I was looking at was Co Tompkinson. So he got that three-game ban, uh, which is up this week. But this is the second week of the Highlanders tour, and I don't know if he actually got taken on the on the the tour at all. But I know that he is their favourite for that right wing spot as well. They mentioned a couple of weeks ago in one of their press conferences. So. Basically, he may or may not be in. If he is, it, it spells bad news for Josh McKay. And I think any change the Highlanders can make at the moment to shore up their team, they'll be looking for it. Uh, he could also slot in at outside centre with Nani Punavai holding down the spot on debut last week as well. So a couple of interesting little uh, implications there, depending on what happens to Tompkinson's game. Yeah, on I'm the, just trying to see here. I can't. I, there's no. There's nothing on on wires to say what that situation is. So yeah, I don't know. Did they? Do you, do you have anything on the actual Highlanders tour squad from a couple of weeks ago, from when they originally left after round five? Because Let me that have a look. Best. Just talk amongst yourselves. I'll check it out. Too easy. Uh, in the meantime, on the Haguara side of things, again, just done a quick search through. Creevy from his bicep injury, Del Gui from his groin injury, and Otago Desio, who took a heavy knock in training and flew home early from their tour. I think Del Gui is probably the most likely to start, but uh, the three of those have have all been there or thereabouts for around about this game, but no details just yet on them either. Uh, 
Jaguares home game. So they have won two of their three. Generally, I would say it's a fortress for them. I don't think it's looked quite so strong this week, this year. I think off the back of, like we were saying before, just a bit of a slip-in attitude from them. But uh, their Highlanders are coming off an absolute drubbing from the Bulls. So I think it's going to be very hard for them to then fly to Argentina and try and turn that performance around against what I would say is a stronger team than what they just came up against. I agree with that. I think it's going to be a tough ask for them. Um, if they do have someone like Sarah Tomkinson, someone who's uh, pretty electric and, and can ignite their back line from the wing, I think that could make a bit of a difference. But well, I suppose we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, he certainly wasn't in the original squad, so. Um, okay. So unlikely. Unlikely, I would have thought. Yeah. Okay. Too easy. Good. Good info. Um, Domingo Miotti. I, I, I'm interested to hear your opinion on this one, Nick. Joaquin Diaz Bonisha. Uh, I thought played really well two weeks ago. And then was a bit disappointing last week. How do you think this is going to unfold? That that battle for the fly half jersey. I actually think that um, that they struggle with that themselves. There's been that chopping and changing over the last year or so. Um, I wonder whether they see them as almost uh, interchangeable horses for courses. Um, but but you're right. Um, he hasn't been in uh, in terrific form. So maybe there's a, a change coming there. I think listening to Paul Tate talk about this one, he was saying that Miotti was the future um, and he expected him to usurp him at some point this season. So it's just whether or not that's now or not in my eyes, really. But he's he's much more electric in general, I would think. Yep. Just so think how old Benicia is. I mean, he's, you know, we, we know him as very experienced. He seems to have been around for a long time. I'm just trying to think, though, whether, he, whether he's in the veteran class... He's yeah, is 27. He closer towards the end of his... Yeah, okay. Nelson's just double-checking it. He's 30. Oh, there you go. 30, okay. So there you go. He's, he, he, he would be regarded as, as veteran, so he's probably closer to the end of his career than the start. So it, it might be time, huh? Yeah. And uh, the other part of that Haas combination, Bert Trenau, who I thought was definitely going to be the, the first choice number nine this year, God, he was awful on the weekend. He's box kicking, kicking out in the full. He just looked a bit rudderless, didn't really steer his team around. Whereas Thomas Kubeli, uh, Kubeshi was really strong at the start of the season. So I think they're probably counting the days for him to come back as well. He's He's been a great story when you think about the injuries that he's had over the stretch since his time at the Brumbies. I think he... <laughs> He broke his neck, didn't he? he missed virtually a, a whole year with um, with yeah. a, a broken vertebra um, back about 18 months ago. Worked his way back into that national team, so he's he's a great story. Yeah, he's an incredibly reliable reliable player. They know what they're going to get from Thomas Cabelli. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for the actual game, I, so looking at the stats, the Jaguares and then the Highlanders, they're the two most kicking teams in the competition, both around 22, 22 to 23 kicks per game. And to me, I, I, I straight away when I see that kind of stat, I start thinking, you know, how do the outside back score? And I can say that they score very big against the Jaguares most of the time. The Sharks, the Bulls and the Reds, they all went real big against the Jaguares. So... Looking across to the Highlanders' outside backs, Jonah Narecki obviously in a bit of doubt with that pretty heavy hit to his ribs, but Tima Finger and Nuku would be next cab off the rank. Josh McKay and Michael Collins at fullback could be in for a big, big week if the uh, the trend continues. Uh, on the flip side, uh, Boffelli, um, 
I think the kicking game of Miotti or, or Benicia and Boffelli versus Hunt and Ioane will probably decide the game. I think my money is probably on the Haguares players, so they've been kicking very, very well for field position, whereas I, I think the Highlanders are a little bit more hit and miss. And uh, I think that'll probably help them dominate uh, the, the field position and, and kind of the game off the back of that. The One of the weaknesses for the Haguaras has definitely been their scrum. But with both of the Highlanders starting crop suffering concussions last week, I think that's t- potentially a place where they're going to be pretty undermanned, underpowered there. And I think that could be one, uh, one weakness for the Haguaras that will be tapered over. So I think that's a big plus for them. And, uh, and, and finally, I just think that um, if the Haguaras can get their attitude right, I think that'll basically be the most telling thing for this game. They're back at home in front of their fans after a bit of a tour. And uh, if they get their attitude right, I think they'll probably run away with it. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I think it's all about that, that um, state of mind for them, the attitude, their confidence team. Uh, and they'll like their chances in this one. The, the Highlanders, yes, this is the toughest trip in the competition, isn't it, to, to go from South Africa to Argentina. Um, it's so difficult, and, and even when you're there, you know, it's not particularly easy. Um, so, yeah, I think I think the Jags in this one for sure. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think the Jags are going to win this one. But look, that, that just about wraps us up for our uh, main course. I'm feeling pretty full. I'm not sure about you. I'm I'm stuffed. <laughs> yeah. What you gonna what you gonna do with that dessert? Do what do I need that do that do that do what do that eat that do that do what do that eat that do that. So that brings us to dessert brought to you by 15 Gelato. That's 15 spelled F I F T E I N. And uh, I know you guys have been on to this for a while now. I've just discovered the delights of 15 gelato. And I've got to say, it's uh, it's something pretty special. I hear that Morgan Tiranui was uh, was a convert, uh, enjoyed it very much when he uh, when he came on the show. And, wow, I've got to say, I feel like I've been missing out up until this moment. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's pretty solid stuff. I mean, my, my favourite flavour is the, the peanut butter. Harry, what's your favourite? Yep. I'm still on the mock-up, but it's definitely the perks of the pod, Nick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this is how you know you've, you've hit it big time, <laughs> Nick. You, you, you're getting some free gelatos. How good is that? That's all right. Do I have to declare that to anybody? Or, you know, is it like the ABC where you have to, you know, put it on a register or something? Or can Look, I just... Not, not too many people listen, so I mean, we won't tell anyone. <laughs> you don't tell anyone. <laughs> it's, it's, it's our secret. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. Sure. Good yeah. stuff. Very good stuff. So, all right, now it's up to you to uh, to educate me. I was part yep. of a, a fantasy uh, football series for for a while with um, with Fox, but I have to I'll, I'll make a public announcement here that I did get a little bit of help with that from from time to time because I was oh, no. rubbish and, yep. and didn't tend to put in the time that was needed. So, so enlighten me. So basically, what we're going to do for dessert is is we're just going to quickly run through. Which teams score the most fantasy points? So, I mean, obviously that's telling us which which teams do you want to pick players up from. We say basically you're allowed five trades each week. We can do manager-to-manager trades where you can pick up free agents, which is a bit different to what Fox Sports was. 
Fox Sports, everyone could have the same team because it was based on uh, salary. Ours is not yep. salary. If you right. own Richie Moanga, no one else can have Richie Moanga. So, right. um, we, yeah, so some of these things, I mean, if we're saying the Crusaders are good, there might be no Crusaders available that week, but it just gives us something in, in our managers to, to look at. So, yeah, nice. Obviously, it's based on player stats. So if we were to, to question you, who do you think, which team had the most fantasy points to date? Being mindful that some teams have had rest weeks. So we're, we're making this tricky for you. We got an average. Yeah, I'm just trying to think who's yeah. had who's had buys. Uh, we can tell you uh, like. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, give me who's who's had buys up until now. So the teams that have had buys are the Brumbies, the Waratahs, the Sunwolves, the Chiefs, Crusaders, Hurricanes, Highlands. I may as well just give you the, the ones that have played six. So <laughs> yep. there's been quite a few. So the, the teams that have played six, the Rebels and Reds from the Australian Conference. You've got the Blues from the New Zealand Conference. Then you've got the Sharks and the Jaguares from the South African Conference. Okay. So a, a hot tip, it is one of those sitting on top. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm thinking it's got to be the Reds or the Sharks, doesn't it? Mate, you are spot on. It it was the Reds. Reds came yeah. in first. And then the next tip, so they've got 3,334 total points. Where the Sharks sit, just, we'll, we'll give that one away. Oh, yeah, no. just, just to shut you down, make you feel not too good about yourself. <laughs> the, the Sharks got almost 1,000 points less coming in at night. Yeah, okay, righto, righto. Now, I can see how that works for the, for the Reds, though. And I know that they haven't necessarily got the results, but gee, some of the... Some of the rugby they've been playing, you think about, you know, as you said before, the the line breaks and, and tackle busts, and um, yeah, I can I can understand that the the run meters. Yep. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I I think that's where they're getting all their points for sure. And uh, we'll we'll get you to go one more second place. I, we can't guarantee that it's a a team that's played six games though. Right. Okay. So I'm I'm thinking who's. Is it? Is it the Chiefs? Oh, so the Chiefs have actually come in sixth. Okay. There's, a, right. there's a team that reliably is always up the top of the fantasy points for the last yep. few years at least. Right. No, tell me. Tell me. It's got to be the Crusaders, doesn't it? Three-time champions. Yeah, right. They score more points Fair than enough. anyone else, and, uh, and it does enough. it. So to, to round them out, they, they got uh, 3,139. The Jags came in third. They've uh, played six matches. Then we've got uh, the Blues, who have been pretty brilliant to, to date, but also played six matches. And then the Rebels, who came in fifth. So basically in the top five, everyone has played six matches but the Crusaders. So Yeah, right. There Always guaranteed points. Yeah. Basically, what we, we run off is you pick up people versing the Sunwolves or you pick up the Crusaders. There's one player who's got the most in the entire season. I, I think this is a bit tough for you. It's someone you definitely wouldn't expect. It's actually his first season. Do you want to give this a crack, or does this feel too hard? He runs no, side people off. Yeah. <laughs> which, com- which conference? New Zealand conference. New Zealand conference. Not from one of the mentioned uh, top five teams. No, go on. Tell me who you got. 
Oh, sorry, he was. He was in fourth. So he's from the Blues. Right. And he's uh, new this season. Does that give you any hints? No. No. Right. Enlighten me. Mark Talaya. So he's got... Oh, okay. Brilliant. He's the only one in any team to get over 300 points so far. He's on 349. I think it was a bit helpful getting 103 points this week, which happened to be against my fantasy side, which isn't too good. So, you, you know, we listen to the commentary from people like Phil Kearns when he's blowing up about people running sideways across the field. As in fantasy football, if you see your outside back running sideways, just throwing palms, slapping people away, it's one of the highlights. It's, it's probably the best possible thing that can happen, and Talay is a fiend for it. Yeah, is there anyone think it would be worse for Kearns if he was accumulating points for chip kicks? That would be the, that would be the, the last straw. We we don't give anyone points for chip kicks. We did. The yeah. uh, Matt Dunning drop kick came out the other day, and we were throwing up if we should be offering double points for props that score drop goals. <laughs> I would have thought so. <laughs> <laughs> they get a hundred points for the week. All right, mate. I, uh, I I just want to say again, thank you very very much for coming on. It's been a long pod, and you've been awesome. So I think it's about time we we wrap it up and let you let you move on. Really uh, my, my, my pleasure, guys. No, I, re- I really appreciate it. And it's um, it's just good fun to, to talk some rugby. And, and finally, how good is 15 gelato? Seriously, unbelievable. <laughs> mate, you're a seasoned professional. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Cheers. Cheers, Thanks, mate. mate. See ya. See ya.